0: Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I don't just believe shit I hear on podcasts, and I hope you don't either. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I do swear and I don't bleep anything out. So listener discretion is advised. episode 93 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find cool that I want to learn more about. It is still Sexual Health Awareness Month, so I skipped the environment and wildlife for this episode. Today, I will be talking about the factual numbers about who is really committing sex crimes against children in the U.S., some mythology around penises, and examples of the horrors women have had to endure because of medical laws being written by medically illiterate people in the U.S. about healthcare procedures they are permitted to receive. If you have joined me before, then thank you for returning. I do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome! I hope you find it both fun and informative. And if you're interested in supporting the show, all the possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. Let's talk child abuse and false flags. The Republicans keep trying to use children to make it look like they are trying to do good. Who are the people who vote consistently to make parents exempt from Christian-based neglect and abuse? Who are the people who voted against raising the age of marriage to 16? Who are the people who voted for abolishing child protection labor laws? Who are the people... Actually getting arrested for child grooming, assault, and abduction. It is never the people they accuse. It is never the companies they accuse. Yet the accusers seem to get caught in these exact situations again and again and again. What the fuck do people not get about this yet? Stop sharing their false flags and instead look deeper into who made up the false flag. That's where you'll find your child abusers. It's been proven over and over again. Seriously. Now that we have actual numbers to look at, it turns out drag queens are about the safest people out there to have around your kids. And evangelical pastors are the most dangerous people out there to have around your kids. At least in the U.S. anyway. The funny thing is that nobody would have ever begun collecting this data if the right hadn't started making up all these lies about LGBT people and drag queens. None of this information would have been put together for all of us to see and confirm if they hadn't gone in so hard with their lies. And now Republicans are reaching out to some of these data gathering places and complaining that by publishing their findings, they're making Republicans look bad. Um, okay. Nobody out there would have ever gone to this trouble if Republicans hadn't begun the lies about the people they want to oppress. It was those lies that made people feel like this was an issue and had to be looked into. And now the numbers are showing us which demographics of people actually are committing sex crimes against children. And it sure as hell isn't drag queens. Arrests and prosecutions are a matter of public record. This means that all of these numbers can be confirmed as well as specific cases, which I will mention in the end. All of this information is going to be U.S.-centric, though. Though, I also do want to do a Canadian one soon, as this bullshit is increasing here as well. Every day. At the six-month mark from when different groups began collecting all charges of sex crimes against children in the U.S., the total number was 2,145. Of these 2,145, there are 34 politicians. And the part that has Republicans complaining about this information being published? Of that 34, 33 are Republicans. One is a Democrat. The loudest accusers, once again, are the largest committers of the crimes they are accusing Democrats of. By a lot. Of these 2,145, 13.5% are people from the religious industry priests, pastors, bishops, youth pastors, yet they make up only five-tenths of a percent of the population. Of these 2,145, six percent are evangelical pastors. They make up way less than one-one-hundredth of a percent of the population, yet they commit six percent of the sex crimes against children. This tells us that evangelical pastors and the religiously employed in general are extremely likely to commit sex crimes against children. In fact, if we compare those to trans numbers, the religiously employed are 65.5 times more likely to commit a sex crime against a child than a trans person. You see, trans people make up one-fourth of a percent of the population, yet commit less than 14 one-hundredths of a percent of the sex crimes against children. Oh, and guess what? Zero of those occurred in a bathroom. And that's it. And no, I did not forget to say the number for drag queens. There is no number for drag queens. Zero of the 2,145 sex crimes against children in the U.S. were committed by a drag queen. Zero. Now, when these liars make their accusations of grooming and other sex crimes against children, they never give verifiable examples. I do. If they do give an example, it's vague, like, I know someone who said and did this, or there's a man who had this or that done to him kind of deal. Obvious bullshit. I do not wish to be like them. So here are a few easily verifiable examples from the information that I just put before you. Barry Fike is the pastor and former school teacher who was busted sending explicit images and messages to who he thought was a 15-year-old to meet for sex. This is a cis-straight white man. Gabe Geringer is the Colorado youth pastor who was sentenced to 60 days for raping a 14-year-old from his church. Can you believe he only got 60 days? Again, a cis-straight white man. Anton Lazaro is the founder of Big Tent Republicans, well-known GOP strategist and donor and contributor to Fox News, who is found guilty on one count of conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of a minor and five counts of sex trafficking of a minor. Another cis straight white man. Oh, and obviously Republican. Joel M. Koskin is the 2022 Republican who received 41% of the North Dakota vote. He's received 10 years for the incestual relationship he had with his stepdaughter since she was a child. Cis straight white man. Anyone else see the pattern here? It was projection all along. Stop believing social media propaganda posts and start looking at what's actually happening all around you. Nobody is in danger from trans people and drag queens. We sure can't say the same about priests, pastors, and Republicans, though. Be skeptical, damn it. September is Sexual Health Awareness Month. Sexual health includes sexual reproductive health. Thanks to anti-abortion laws, women are being refused care for bleeding after giving birth, are being refused care for incomplete miscarriages, are being refused care for ectopic pregnancies. Some have already lost their ability to become pregnant again because of being refused care. Their reproductive futures have been destroyed. Any children they may have brought into this world will now never exist. These are not women trying to end a pregnancy. Their pregnancy is already ended or invalid. Many of these women miscarried a baby, which they very much wanted. But the care required to save their lives and their reproductive futures includes procedures which are also used to perform abortions. And so the uneducated, not doctors, from the far right have made them illegal. The repercussions of this is that doctors are between a rock and a hard place. On one hand, they took an oath to do no harm. On the other hand, if they help these women save their reproductive futures, they are risking heavy fines and they're risking losing their licenses, jobs, means of making a living. The laws are so black and white with no real exceptions for these medically required procedures that doctors, as much as they want to help, are too afraid to. Listen to that one more time. The medically trained doctors are afraid to use their medical training to help women because they are afraid of what the government will do to them. That's not how things work in a free nation, y'all. That's how things work in totalitarian nations. The Republicans have spent the last seven years telling you that the dirty libs want to take away your freedoms, but this is what they had in mind all along. Imagine being a trained doctor and not being allowed to treat a woman who is bleeding out of control after giving birth because some anti-science, untrained politician has taken your power to help away. They have been saying the liberals would bring this shit on for seven years. And the distraction fucking worked on so many ignorant fucks that it's mind-boggling. Every one of you who took part in the sharing of the bullshit propaganda that they put out in the last seven years, this is on you! You helped it get this way! Every one of you who I called out on your bullshit posts, look what you have done! Now here we are with the doctors fucking afraid of the government. Afraid to do what they, with their training... No is right. If this doesn't scare you, it fucking should. Abortion is healthcare, And women are in danger. The number of pregnancies which end on their own in the first trimester is very high. About 30% end in miscarriage. There isn't anyone my age who has never known someone who lost a pregnancy early on. Whether you know about it or not, you do know someone. Most likely several someone's. A miscarriage can be life-threatening and can cause reproductive damage if not treated. Not all women, obviously. Some will be just fine physically afterward. But many women require medical treatment after miscarrying. Now that the methods to administer that treatment have been demonized and made illegal by uneducated non-doctors, women are either being delayed to the last possible minute before being treated, or they're being denied miscarriage care completely. The possible results for these women is infection, bleeding, and death. A Wisconsin woman who had an incomplete miscarriage bled for more than 10 days before emergency staff would help her. They absolutely refused to remove the dead fetus tissue for fear of repercussions under the new laws. She was put at risk of septic shock. Often a DNC is the only way to save these women and their reproductive futures, but that is now illegal completely illegal, and the wording of the law does not make any consideration for common sense or doctor's professional opinion. One OBGYN talked about how a patient who came to her had been at risk of infection after having a miscarriage, and thanks to those ignorant, barbaric 1849 laws being put back on the books, the woman's care providers at her initial hospital had refused to remove the dead fetal tissue because those laws included any procedure that they could have used to help. A grieving mother who had lost her very much wanted baby was being treated with medication to help control her bleeding after she suffered the miscarriage. When she went to the pharmacy to fill the prescription, the pharmacist gave her the third degree and forced her to explain her trauma, the loss of her baby in front of everyone there. How awful is that? But that's what the criminalization of abortion does. It needlessly demonizes women, criminalizes life-saving care, and criminalizes the care required to save a woman's reproductive future. And then they get treated like this poor woman in the pharmacy at a time when they are grieving a massive loss. There is nothing moral about these laws. They are anti-woman, and the longer they're in effect, the more women they're going to both kill and remove reproductive futures from. And this hemorrhaging doesn't just happen to women who have miscarriages. It sometimes happens to women after a successful birth as well. In a Kansas City, Missouri hospital, a woman came in with postpartum hemorrhaging in need of a DNC. And because a DNC is also an abortion procedure, the doctors there were not willing to risk their careers to treat her. They were not willing to risk their careers to save her life. This is what anti-abortion laws are doing. When I told a friend about what I was looking into for this episode, she shared with me that she required a DNC after having her son. And if she had been unable to get it, she would never have been able to have her amazing daughter in the future. So what about that child? If she had been subject to these absurd laws at that time, this amazing, beautiful person would have never had the opportunity to exist. What about her right to life? Then we have ectopic pregnancies, and yet another reason why uneducated people should not be making medical decisions for everyone. For anyone. In Ohio, Representative John Becker, not an OBGYN, authored a bill which included a ridiculous provision. This provision said that women would be allowed to have care for ectopic pregnancies covered by their insurance, as long as the care involved is the reimplantation of the fertilized ovum into the pregnant woman's uterus. This is not possible. One physician called it pure science fiction. The last time they tried to pass a bill like this in Ohio, the wording said that if the doctor did anything other than attempt to reimplant the ovum when treating an ectopic pregnancy, they would be charged with performing an abortion and the murder of the baby. OBGYNs at the time said that this not being possible meant that the passing of this bill would send them all to jail. I watched a Republican representative recently ask, why there would be an exception for ectopic pregnancies. And when the answer was common sense, he said, what if we wait and see if it becomes viable? What if it moves? Again, this is not possible. The longer a woman is with an ectopic pregnancy, the more danger she is in. Not just her, but her reproductive health as well. These ignorant men should not be writing laws that govern human bodies at all, but especially when they don't have a clue what the fuck they're talking about. We have no way to save a tubal ectopic pregnancy, no matter what the exact location. It will never be viable. It cannot move. It cannot be moved. Maybe we will have that technology someday, but we certainly don't yet. The two ways to save a woman's life are surgery and medication, both of which are now restricted due to these unethical laws. If allowed to grow, the ovum will burst through wherever it's located, possibly causing internal bleeding. Withholding or delaying treatment could equal death. One woman showed up for emergency care at the University of Michigan Hospital because she had been refused care in her home state. Doctors were concerned that the electromagnetic pulses which were present would get them in trouble if they saved her life. You see, the law considers this a fetal heartbeat. Never mind the fetus doesn't even have a heart yet or even a circulatory system or even a chance of surviving. Thanks to barbaric Texas laws, a hospital told their doctor not to treat a woman with an ectopic pregnancy until it had ruptured to protect the hospital from possible legal charges. Leaving an ectopic pregnancy until something bursts has a very high chance of destroying a woman's fertility. Again, her future children will never exist because of ignorant uneducated Republicans writing laws. And at least one woman has lost her fertility so far. She had an ectopic pregnancy and medically required what would be considered abortion care under the new laws. So her doctors denied her the early abortion care she needed, and she suffered with the ectopic pregnancy until it burst. This is very painful, by the way, on top of being a risk to her life. Because of the fact that it was allowed to burst, she ended up having to have an emergency hysterectomy to save her life. She will now never have children, thanks to allowing the ovum to grow for much longer than is considered safe. Something forced on her by her government. She will never have children because of something that was forced on her by her government. Fucking forced birthers, always crying, what about the babies? What about the children she would have had if she had had proper access to care? Those kids will never exist now. Why don't they matter, assholes? That is just three possible complications I've gone over so far. The afterbirth care, the incomplete miscarriage care, and the ectopic pregnancy care. There are so many more. Since these anti-woman laws went into effect, A 25-year-old Oklahoma woman in need of care for a partial molar pregnancy, again, one that cannot become viable, was told by her hospital to sit in her car in the parking lot and come back in after she'd bled out more severely. Then they would be able to legally help her. A woman carrying a fetus with too many chromosomes was refused care. Again, no possibility for viability. This happens when two sperm fertilize one egg. No baby will result from this. Still refused care. A woman with preeclampsia had a placenta full of cancerous cysts and was refused care. A Louisiana woman carrying a skullless fetus was forced to travel 1,400 miles in order to have the abortion care that saved her from having to carry her headless baby inside of her for 40 weeks and give birth to it. Republicans would have forced her to endure an entire pregnancy, a condition that in the U.S. has a high mortality rate, and would have forced her to go through labor and give birth to her headless baby. How is that the moral high ground? It's not. A woman in Texas almost died when her water broke at 18 weeks, and she was refused immediate care because of the forced birth laws. She was sent home and told to watch for signs of infection, with an 18-week-old fetus inside of her drained, Uterus! She was sent home and told to watch for infection. That is dangerous as fuck. When she ended up so sick and weak that she couldn't even stand up, they FINALLY gave her the procedure she needed. But she ended up in the ICU totally septic. When she started to go downhill, she started to go fast. She is very lucky that they were able to stabilize her in the end. Despite the fact that there was no fluid left in her uterus and the fetus had absolutely no way of surviving, she was forced to endure until she almost died. Until there was no longer any detection of any electromagnetic pulses because Republicans think those pulses are heartbeats and have made it illegal to help these women. There is even at least one reported case where Dr. Felty had to seek legal advice before helping a woman with a fucking uterine infection. Basically, it's reaching a point where if a woman's medical ailment has anything to do with part of her reproductive system, she might be left to go septic, or to bleed, or to lose her reproductive future. Someday someone you love with all your heart may have their life or their reproductive future ended because of these ignorant laws. Abortion is health care, and for those states which have lost access to that care, the maternal mortality rate is about to skyrocket, and the U.S. already has one of the worst maternal mortality rates among industrialized nations, particularly in the states which have abolished abortion. Think about that for just a minute. Last year I shared some Lord mythology based around the vagina, so this year I'm sharing a couple mythologies based around the dick. In the days of crying witch, sorry I keep forgetting, we're in those days again. In the earlier days of crying witch, before we became more enlightened and then fell backwards again, many of the crimes attributed to witchcraft were sexual in nature. They were accused of things such as having sex with devils and demons and causing miscarriages and stillbirths, even sterility. And, of course, in a patriarchal world where men couldn't possibly be at fault for their own issues, witches were thought to have all sorts of dick-ruining capabilities. A witch-hunting manual from the 15th century claimed to be a guide to detecting and eradicating witchcraft. It was called the Malleus Maleficarum and written by Heinrich Kramer. Within its pages are descriptions of men who would wake up with their penis missing. Witches are accused of stealing said penises and keeping them as pets. Yes, pets. In fact, they apparently kept them in boxes or nests and fed them grains. The book makes the claims that the dick pets have been seen moving around and eating oats by many people, and it is a matter of common talk. The book even tells the tale of a man who went to a witch in order to have his penis restored. The witch has him climb a tree where he finds a nest containing all sorts of different penises to choose from. These all seem very funny today, but women were actually killed based on these accusations. And the way things are going in North America, those days may not only be behind us, but ahead of us as well the dicks in a tree thing is something not just attributed to witches in fact this is a mythology that appears to have existed in different nations all over the place according to a 2010 article published by Johann j metler in the journal of sexual medicine between the end of the 13th century and the early 16th century the phallus tree was quite a phenomenon they could be found in art all across europe One example is a 14th-century French manuscript which shows two nuns harvesting penises from trees and tucking them into their robes. A wood carving in a Germany museum from the early 15th century shows a woman picking penises from one tree while a man looks over a vulva tree. A badge found in the Netherlands depicts a couple making love under a phallus tree. I don't seem to have the century for this one. Must have forgotten to note it. In 2000, a huge mural from the 13th century was uncovered in Tuscany. On this mural, there's a tree full of large, fully erect penises, and there are eight women at the base. Two of the women are fighting over a penis, one of the women is using a stick to try and knock a penis fruit off of its branch, and one woman has one of the fruits of the tree sticking out of her. So, interestingly, phallus trees were rather popular for a time. Give them a Google and see what art pieces you can find. I am done for today. Please consider subscribing to the YouTube for short, weekly skeptical videos. Thanks for joining me. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. I'd like to express my thanks to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project more than three years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my household for putting up with me. Love y'all lots. I hope you will choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 94 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy living through extinction and would like to support the show the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player or you can help out by following liking and sharing on all the social medias the show can be found under living through extinction on facebook instagram Threads, youtube pinterest and tiktok and under lte pod on twitter and hive there's also a patreon at patreon.com livingthroughextinction through extinction There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias.